this is Property Matters, a weekly catch-up on all matters property, supported by Fairview International Property Consultancy and auctionproperty.co.uk. And we're live every Sunday uh, from 10am on YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn and our website propertymatters.co.uk. And if you're watching on our website, we'd love you to hit the Google review button on the homepage and leave us a review. You can also leave your comments in the comments section below wherever you're watching us on social media today. And if you'd like to email, the address is hello at propertymatterstv.co.uk. Property Matters is also available as a podcast on our website and via the biggest podcast platforms available every Monday at 10 a.m. And also, of course, you can... uh, Uh, Find us on Dilsa Radio as well uh, throughout the week as well. So we uh, welcome our property expert this week, Joe Joshi, who's got an orange juice with him, look. Well, you know, it's uh, Sunday morning and nothing like a freshly squeezed orange juice, as they say. (laughs) (laughs) To bring you back to life, I know. To bring you back to life after after a a quiet night in, as they say. But anyway... (laughs) Uh, welcome Always a quiet night before property matters. Absolutely, it has to be. It has to be. <laughs> Absolutely, because we're looking at the uh, the latest UK house price data from Zoopla, uh, which basically says we have more testing times ahead uh, as mortgage rates be, rise beyond five percent. So this is the figures for June. They're talking about uh, a year of two halves now. So the first six months have been better than expected. The start of 2023, the affordability dynamics for new home buyers have deteriorated in recent weeks since we heard the latest interest rate rise. Um, And stubbornly high inflation has spooked the financial markets with expectations that UK interest rates may peak at 6%. Mortgage rates have increased by over 1% now, averaging uh, between 5 and 6% compared to 4.5% in the spring. Uh, Zoopla's view remains, Joe, that 5% mortgage rates represent a tipping point beyond which house prices will post annual price falls uh, with below average sales volumes. This report explores the very latest trends and concludes that we are still on track for price falls of up to 5% in 2023, which is an interesting one because there are some people out there saying they're going to fall by a lot more. What's your view? Yes, I think um, when uh, I, I think the only way I describe this is that bad news sells better than good news, and um, so here we are, where the interest rate is now at the base rate of five percent, which is a little bit more than I think we were all predicting. But um, obviously, the bank felt that they they needed to do that in order to curb this uh, inflation. Um, in terms of a house prices falling, or, or as I would normally call it, a correction. It is a correction at the end of the day, but of course, um, when you play on words, house prices falling has more of an impact than perhaps a correction does. Um, And you have to remember how it works, really. I mean, when the the, uh, supply is limited and the demand is good, um, people will pay more for a property, which is exactly what happened um, over the last few years when there was a a rush on the pandemics at time, a race for space, all of those things. And good interest rates still meant that people could have. There was, uh, um, you know, no stamp duty to some some points or, or adjusted stamp duty. So there was a lot of give me's and give gifts for people to sort of get on that, and that then elevated the values of properties to a much higher level. Now, of course, interest rates have come to a five percent base, which means that the borrowing has become expensive. Um, with a double-edged sword of, of all the utilities that have gone up, um, naturally prices are going to get a little bit, the, the demand has, has lessened, the supply has now become oversupplied because there's a lot of reasons why people 
are looking to sell. Um, and so subsequently, there will be a correction in that. And yes, I think given how it is, there will be maybe a lot more price drops, but that also depends on the type of properties that they're going to be, Paul, because obviously at the sort of lower level, the first time buyer level, the investor level, the amounts are probably not going to be as great as one thinks. But then when you look at the big family homes, then the amounts may look much bigger because obviously the mortgage and the borrowing power becomes much bigger. The commitment level is much bigger. So if you're looking at a, I don't know, this use for the exercise a million pound property, the chances are that then there might be a higher rate. It might be a you know um, a ten percent decrease or, or or so. So that basically that sort of falls into the nine hundred range or so forth, and and that would look higher. Whereas at the smaller levels, a five percent seems to be um, the current, which is lower than they're, they're they're predicting because obviously it's a correction or, or a downturn in in, in the uh, in the market. Uh, but it's it's adjustable based on on the price. It's interesting, isn't it? Because the first half of the year actually looks like quite a success story. Uh, mortgage rates falling towards four percent over the early months of this year, supported by a recovery in demand and sales, and UK consumer confidence also rebounded in those first five months of this year as the labour market remained strong and earnings rising, of course, and uh, the energy prices starting to fall, or at least knew that we would by the first of July get reductions. So there was quite a bit of positivity in that first six months, though it didn't feel like it when we were going through it. Uh, total new sales agreed in the first five months of this year recovered to within 2% of the five-year average, which really surprised me when I read that. This improvement in sales volume has led to a small increase in the three-month rate of house price growth, reversing the quarterly price falls recorded over quarter four of last year and quarter one of this year. Other indices have shown a similar pattern recently, indicating that sub-5% mortgages are consistent with a plus or minus 2% house price inflation. And as you can see on the screen there now, uh, we're showing the headline figures, which is 1.2% <coughs> excuse me, annual UK price inflation. 42% of people, though, uh, accepting a discount of 5% or having to accept a discount of at least 5% and an 11% hit to buying power from mortgage rates rising from 4 to 5%. And we'll come on to a slide later that shows just what the damage is to your affordability when it goes to 6%. So in that first um, six months or five months of the year, Joe, we still had rising prices. Well, some of that was uh, based on the fact that these things are in the pipeline. So, you know, the private treaty market always works on a longevity. So it's a three to four month lead. So if you had a sale arranged at a price given at, let's say, in January, then that may actually come to fruition in um, March, maybe April, possibly May, depending on the conveyancing system. Um, so there is a slow, a slow process uh, in that actually coming to the end. And the point of that not having discounted prices or lower prices because people have gone to their lenders and borrowed and the valuations have stacked up at the levels that they have and subsequently they're coming to completions. And so they are, uh, there was a good first half, uh, in my opinion, still from the back end of last year when things were probably not as drastic as they have become this year. Um, but going forward, um, that pipeline is now thinning out um, and all of, the, all of the reasons, all of the above reasons are beginning to play their role 
which includes the increase of mortgages um, and of course uh, the increase of supply because the supply was limited before of the type of properties so people thought I'm going to stick to this I'm going to buy it I don't want and it takes time don't forget an average person well I mean whilst you can actually make your decision within the first perhaps 10 seconds of walking in front of a house the whole process can take a lot longer and so with that in mind people will take a long time to even decide what they want and if they've got what they want they're not likely to just drop it unless something drastic happens sales agreed over the last four weeks they say are eight percent above the average for the last five years so that's still quite a good figure to to pull out of this as households um with cheaper finance locked in, look to secure homes as mortgage rates for news business, new business sparks higher. So people had locked in a rate who were looking to buy, so they got their offer, and their offer was still below this last um, rise in uh, base rate. So there was still quite a lot of positivity because people think, right, I get locked in now and get this sale agreed, then I won't have to uh, look at rates um, plus 5%. So um, that's actually been quite a, uh, an incentive, I suppose, to the market. Although in the last two weeks, they say they have seen some early signs of decline in demand, dropping to below 2019 levels, which is likely to increase over the summer to around uh, 8%. So there's fewer buyers in the market in the last four weeks than the five-year average. And uh, annual house price growth is looking to fall uh, into the negative territory over the second half of the year. And they reckon they're going to end the year uh, minus 5% in prices, which, considering what we've had over 21, 20, um, and, and, and certainly half of 2022, I suppose it's a natural correction, isn't it? Well, it's a fraction, isn't it, by comparison to what it was. I mean, when you think about the percentage increases, some of those properties had increased in value you know, 20, up to 20% um, and perhaps even um, more in some areas and perhaps not quite as much as 20, perhaps somewhere between 15 and 20%. So when you have a correction of 5%, it is actually already, already built in as a cushion into that. Um, and it's just natural that somebody might say, okay, well, it's now costing me more to borrow, to buy, and therefore I'm gonna have to reduce my offer to the type of property that is available. That is coupled with the amount of stock that's become available. So, you know, there was a time when, when our graphs were showing the reverse and showing that, you know, there's not enough houses coming on the market. And now there's, you know, so many more houses that are available on the market. So it's, it's always about supply and demand. Yeah, I was just going to say to you, actually, um, some of our early programs over two years ago, the uh, graph was the other way up. Look at it now. Flow of yeah. supply of new homes, 18%. That was always a negative two years ago and demand was always in uh, a positive now that's minus 14 percent so there's uh, nearly 15 percent less demand uh, the sales agreed are still up by eight uh, percent because people are trying to lock in before this this latest rise hits the actual mortgage offers um, and the flow of new supply there's plenty of houses out there but nobody's interested in buying them and um, and, and that's a, a, a real reversal of where we've been in the past which is which is fascinating and if you look at the uh, rebound in the sales um, a sales slow pace of quarterly price falls, so you can see there is the the black line on the screen is the year on year. So, and actually, I was going to make the point to you, Joe, about this, and I think you've made this point a number of times. But if you look at the last, well, this this view goes back to two thousand and six. 
So uh, we're looking at some sort of 15 something, 18 years or something like that. And, mm. and actually what's interesting here is that apart from 2008 when we had the banking crisis, of course, and then a little dip in 2010 stroke 11, prices over that period of time from 2006 to 2023 have largely been in the growth area year on year rather than falling. So it is projected to end the year at around 5%. Uh, and you can see literally since uh, the middle of 2022, just how far things have fallen. Yes, I mean, this is this has always been the case. And I mean, 2007, a financial crash actually didn't see from then till 2014, there wasn't much activity in the marketplace period. I mean, people just sort of sat on their hands and decided that they weren't going to shift either way. And unless it was one of those where you had no choice and you had to had to go. But uh, so if you had 100 percent, maybe, you know, two or three percent or four percent might have been the ones that were going to go. But the rest of them were just sitting waiting until it was right or wrong for them to move. There was no hurry in, in that and everybody was settling in during that period of, uh, of uh, not to ne just negativity in the market, not negative equity as such. Um, and then 2014, 2015, 2015, I think, was probably the real bounce back year. But 2014, 2015 was the time when things started to you know, really sort of shoot up, which is probably where our graph is showing that it just went up and up and up. And then, of course, during the pandemic, it was doing okay, and now we're we're now on a on a decline, and that decline is not necessarily because there is a huge crisis in the housing market. There is a crisis in the global market that is now beginning to affect the housing market. But as far as homes purchases are concerned, it either for investment or as your own steady home to own and occupy, the demand has never let up. There's always a good demand. It's just about how it can work for somebody. And if you stop 10 people on, on a, a street, probably eight would love to buy their own house, you know, because that's the ideal wish that they can have. So that won't change um, at all. In terms of the, the dip that we are now facing, I think it is primarily because there are other factors that are now being brought into it. But itself, independently, it's not the housing market. It's, it's, it's the other markets that are now beginning to sort of uh, affected. Yeah, um, it's interesting, actually, they're saying that the localised house price uh, market does vary quite a, a lot. And basically, there is a clear link between price growth and the actual level of house prices. So in areas where the average price is 350,000, uh, that's where they're going to get the biggest price falls. So when the, the average price of the house is below 350, then uh, there's not going to be so much of, uh, of, of a fall happening and, and they may well um, hold throughout the year. But places like the east of England, southwest, of course, east, Midlands, southeast, those areas, uh, prices um, uh, are going to adjust and there's going to be discounts. Two in five sellers have accepted 5% or more. 15% have had to accept 10% discounts on the asking price as of uh, June. Today's buyers, of course, uh, driving a harder bargain on agreed pricing. Sellers are having to accept lower offers that on average are 3.8% below the original asking price. That's from data from a business company called HomeTrack. So clearly, uh, there are bargains to be had, Joe, but you've got to look in areas where there's really great value in the average asking price. That average value, rather. House prices will always stay 
pretty steady um, in what are popular areas. So, you know, London, West London, the home counties around the M25 perimeter, majority of those will kind of live through it because the supply against demand and the wish and the want is, is much greater than perhaps going a bit further out. And therefore, there are lesser buyers uh, for that choice. So if you're talking about East Anglia, for argument's sake, just to think the number of people that are actually needing to go out as far as East Anglia may be a different mover. They may be a more of a social mover because they've decided they want to be close to family or they want to be you know, near a, a, a school that the kids might go or just generally downsizing and getting more value for money, getting a bigger property, etc. So those, that's why those will have the, the, the longer and the bigger dips in them because the demand there is not as high as the supply. The supply is quite oversupplied um, and, and as a demand, it won't be as, as, um, as much as there would be perhaps in West London um, and um, you know, the home counties, all of the home counties, be it sort of uh, Kent, Essex, Sussex, West Sussex, you know, Berkshire, Buckinghamshire, Surrey, all of those are primarily going to be okay in terms of um, uh, where, where that demand will be. But there will be, there will be obviously negotiations done and prices adjusted, but I just don't think they will be as drastic as they would be in some of the other areas. So we've seen those figures, two in five having to take 5%, 15% having to take 10% off. So what would be your strategy then, Joe? Because, I mean, if you went into the market with a realistic price, you know, you're thinking, I need to move my property fairly quickly. If you went in with a, um, a really competitive price that you knew was 5 or 10% below what the market was and you weren't going to take any offers, do you think that would be a wise strategy or do you think you should still overprice because people will feel that they've got themselves a bargain? I think it's it really matters not at what price you go in and what your strategy is because it is human nature that even if you go in at a realistic price to some extent, somebody's always going to have to have a a feel good factor of saying I, I want to make that offer maybe even if it's only a, a five thousand or a couple of thousand pounds it's just part of the negotiations that you do um, unless of course it's been so correctly priced that there are several buyers for that same property and if that's the case then it will talk itself up to a value that it is worth because a home is only worth what somebody's prepared to pay for it so in some extent it, it's, it's, it's a horses for courses situation for where the value would be and how that value will be achieved but in some cases where the bigger properties are obviously because the gains are bigger they, they the sellers may not want to feel that they want to reduce them um, they will then say, okay, we will probably take an offer um, that may be the decider. The other thing that really does uh, issue uh, problems for, for everybody in terms of valuation is not so much what the valuer says, i.e. what someone like me would say, this is what it's worth, here's the evidence, here's etc. It's about saving face in, within your neighbourhood. So you might turn around and say, well, actually, I've got a house that's worth Three hundred fifty thousand pounds. You know, the house down the road sold for uh, three hundred seventy-five thousand pounds. I want to put it on the market at three seventy-five or three eighty at least, so that I'm within the same um, ballpark. However, you might find that a buyer comes along and says, "Well, yes, that was a diff diff this condition, that was the circumstances in view of what we've got. I want to offer you X," and they probably know in their mind that that's where it's got to be. But in terms of asking price and marketing. 
they may feel that they want to be at least in the same starting blocks as the others so that they've got a chance to negotiate. That then may give a buyer a feel-good factor that they managed to beat them down to the level that they think it's worth. And the seller probably already knew that that's probably where it was going to be. So, you know, that's, that's just the part of the process. But there isn't, there isn't really a, the right strategy. There is a strategy for each home, depending on its circumstances and, of course, the seller's circumstances as to why they need to sell at that particular time. But for me to say to you on a carte blanche basis, you know, this is what I would do, it would be very wrong because every home behind that front door lies a different home and I, you just don't know that until you actually get through it and say, okay, this is what it's going to be. Yes, the exterior might be a three-bed semi with an own drive and etc. But it's what somebody may have put inside um, and made the effort to that that may actually um, make the difference in what that price may be. So it's very difficult to say to anybody or guide anybody and say, look, this is what we're going to do, this is what it's going to be. It's definitely very much horses for courses. One in six sellers have had to take a discount of more than 10%. And on the screen now, we've got a graph that goes from January of 19, uh, sorry, 2018 to June of 2023. And you can see really, Joe, the period where uh, it changed from a um, seller's market to a buyer's market. And that would have been March 22 to August 22. So the summer of 2022, you can see that that's when the discounts really started to kick in. And they ramped across, particularly um, through the mini budget uh, month of October, they ramped dramatically those discounts. You can see that on the screen there. And they're saying that that's obviously having an effect on um, the affordability. And if we look at that here, uh, so if you're looking to buy um, a, a price, if you can get a mortgage of £195,000 um, and, and that's at 4%, you can then compare that if the same rate goes to 5%, your 195 becomes 174,400. So basically, you get 11% less for your money. And then furthermore, on top of that, if you go to 6%, which they're rumoring, of course, that drops 19% off of your affordability and brings you down to 157,000, which of course is interesting because people are finding that they can afford less, but the price is still going up, means of course the gap is, is getting bigger. But they're saying that actually they don't think that it will make prices necessarily go dramatically into reverse. What's actually happening is it's just slowing the price rise, which is an interesting factor. Yes, I mean, if, you know, the cost of living and the cost of borrowing obviously is going to have a dramatic effect on the kind of offer any buyer is going to be able to make on a property given at that. So, you know, it is it is a a tricky part but this is where skillful negotiation are done by people that have the expertise and the knowledge to be able to say to the seller look you know this is where you are with this we do have a buyer who wants to buy it obviously the cost of borrowing has gone up this is the level so but visually not everybody wants to throw their prices down but at the negotiation point they are having to be a bit more realistic um, about what they're going to get so Yes, with the cost of living and the 6%, we're going to get a higher amount of, of discount um, because it's just not affordable. It just can't happen. So it's a choice, really, whether you want to sell or sit. I mean, I've had discussions with clients over the last week or so where they have got and they want to sell. But in all honesty, they would now, by the time they've paid all their costs out, they would be not in a positive um, light, even though they 
really want to get out because they're not earning enough money on, on the property. So these are perhaps something like buy to let properties or properties that they've kept on and thinking, oh, well, I'll, I'll make something on it. So what they've got to do really is, is re-evaluate the situation, either talk to the people that are in it or, or remarket it at a higher price um, and perhaps just keep it and live through this because otherwise they'll actually be almost, you know, and that's when negative equity starts to kick in. And that's probably the next, you know, phase. But I'm hoping that because of the increases that we've had over the last, you know, few years, um, should keep us away from the negative equity. Of course, in terms of buying power, there are two things that buyers can do. They can actually put in more equity in the first place to bolster up that shortfall from the mortgage rate increasing. Um, but also, of course, they can take a longer mortgage term, which we're going to come on to in our next story shortly. Um, but uh, I suppose, really, that's when it's down to Bank of Mum and Dad again for more equity. Yes, <laughs> good old Bank of Mum and Dad. But even that Bank of Mum and Dad is going to have a problem now, you see, because when the interest rates, Paul, were at the level that were a quarter of a percent, Bank of Mum and Dad didn't have a problem refinancing and, and taking some of that equity out because it wasn't as painful. But now it is going to be extremely painful. Um, and on top of that, they may not have the income to support the increase in the mortgage rate. So Bank of Mum and Dad is going to become um, a very, very challenging area too. Because if you're looking to say that the base rate is now 5%, and then if they're going to go and refinance 150, 200,000 pounds to give their kids a deposit, they are now going to be putting that, at, you know, just keep it at 5%. That's 5%, you know, borrowing against a quarter percent. That's four and a, you know, four and a half, four, 4.75. It's a huge increase. In fact, if anything, what Bank of Mum and Dad are probably doing is thinking, well, actually, we don't want to now do this because we're, we're beginning to earn a little bit of interest on our savings, um, which is not done well. So it was good when the interest rate was low because they thought, well, we're not making any money ourselves. We may as well put this into something that the kids could do. But right now, you know, base rate is 5%. I was reading, I think, only this morning that there are people now offering 9% return on savings uh, in some, some cases. So the question is, you know, do they continue to have that fixed rate uh, savings available? Um, and then maybe give the children a small amount but a bank of mum and dad is not particularly open for business, as far as I can see, um, at this moment in time. It's going to be very expensive. You know, you're, you're, you're a dad, and, and, you, you, and I, as I am, and all of a sudden, you know, when you think you've just about got out of jail, you don't want to go back to jail. So, uh, you know, that's, that's what happens. <laughs> yeah, it does seem very attractive, isn't it? Just stick it in a bank, don't have the, house, uh, the, the hassle of leaky taps and things to sort out as a landlord and you just get your 9% for having the money in the bank and you can sleep soundly at night. But um, yeah. interesting that the uh, the um, Bank of England suggests that mortgage arrears have increased off of a low base in quarter one 2023. But anecdotal evidence from industry insiders suggests that most borrowers are actually paying the extra monthly mortgage costs when they refinance rather than extending their mortgage term, which really surprised me. 15% of mortgages will uh, refinance this year and these extra measures uh, will boost forbearance for mortgagees uh, and will limit forced sales in the near term. So they're suggesting that actually people are presumably having to make savings and cutbacks in economies elsewhere in their family budget so that they can afford these, these, these larger uh, mortgage payments 
and they're not willing to extend the term, which surprises me. Well, in some cases, it's not the case that they're willing to extend the term. They're not in a position to extend the term. Um, mm. And, you know, it might be an age factor there where, you know, the lender might say, well, actually, we're just not going to extend that term. So, of course, it's looking good for them that they're paying the extra, but they're having to pay the extra because they've got no choice but to pay the extra. Otherwise, they'll fall behind. And falling behind, obviously, will result in uh, an adverse credit, perhaps, in some cases. So... There's a lot of, you know, balancing. There's a lot, there's a lot of plates that have been sp spun at the same time and trying to keep them all in the right place. So something of something is better than nothing of nothing. And so that's what happens. People will say, OK, well, I've got this higher rate. I've got to pay that because if I don't pay that, my credibility is going to drop. And when my credibility drops, I can't even re go back and refinance if I even wanted to refinance. So there's a lot of other stuff that is under underneath that they have to take into consideration. But um, I think uh, part of the reason why they wouldn't extend it is maybe because there is an age factor there. They're saying that the uh, transition to these higher borrowing costs are not really truly reflected in these figures yet because it's going to take time for all these new rates to filter through because, as we said, there's so many people over the next um, 18 months are going to be refinancing their existing mortgages, which some of which are as low as something like 2%. So they're going to be going up to 5 maybe even 6%, who knows. So there's going to be this huge um, disparity for them to overcome. Um, and they're saying that once that starts to feed through, they'll see probably lower sales overall um, because uh, they're on track to be 20% down this year uh, as, as all these new rates start to impact. Um, and really, it's going to be a testing time for the housing market, which has proved very resilient over the last um, quite dynamic two or three years. Yes, I think, I think it will be a testing time. There's no doubt about it. But I don't think it would be as drastic as one would think it should be um, on the basis that there are other sort of easing factors that are coming through. I mean, the Ukraine war thing has gone on for longer than one anticipated and uh, they may, you know, soon see some light at the end of the tunnel. But other than that, um, you know, it's, it's just the fact that we borrowed so much money over the pandemic, it had to be paid back somehow. And so there was going to be a payback time. So most people expected some of those paybacks, but not all of those paybacks. And so I'm hoping that it, it doesn't come to a point where uh, it becomes a dramatic situation in the housing market. Um, however, there will be people that will sit on the fence waiting for exa exactly that to happen. I think some months back we did a program where we, we worked out over the last, I think, 50 years, it was only five times in the entire 50 years that actually we went into reverse in terms of the, the uh, valuation and the housing market itself which is actually a very small percentage over 50 years when you think about it, that it was there. So I'm hoping that it's not the sixth time as opposed to the five times that it will happen. But uh, yes, there is going to be correction. Um, but I think there's enough cushion in the marketplace and in the valuations for those corrections to be OK. You think back to the days of like the 90s through to the mid noughties, and you think about the, you know, the 95%, 100% lending that was going on at the time. And um, uh, th th they make the point that because the lending has been um, revised and the rules have been toughened, if you want to call it that, there is quite a large equity buffer that people have to absorb any falls in the market that we're talking about. And therefore, this time round, unlike back in the 90s and the early noughties, the whole 
um, principle of negative equity isn't going to be such a, uh, a spectre as it was in previous situations. Um, there is a bit of um, fat on the calf. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. That there's, there's, it's not, you know, there's, there's enough in there for it to actually have a correction without it becoming a, a problem or a, or a downturn in the market to get to negative equity status, which happened some years back. Um, and and hoping, hoping that that wouldn't happen because there will be some turning points. Look, I, th I think that the, you know, the government will have and, and the bank will intervene. They've got to go through this small phase. We, we are coming up for a general election in 24 uh, sometime. And, you know, they will want to make this. And this is why we're going through the pain now to a large extent, so that there will be some sort of gain and some sort of revival within, you know, who, who comes and runs it. It doesn't really matter who runs it. The, the, the pot of money is, is the same amount. It's just how they actually divide it and use it and to whom and to what, what uh, um, reason that they would be using that. So I think, uh, I don't think there's going to be a, a huge, or at least I'm hoping that there's not going to be a dramatic thing. But yes, anything between 5 and 10% in, in negotiating a revised price is probably not out of the, um, the realms. They conclude by saying, Joe, that household budgets are being squeezed on all sides and we look set for a prolonged period of low nominal house price growth, which will result in a steady realignment of house prices and household incomes over the next three to five years. And I suppose that's the last point on this. Um, this is going to take some time to play out. Yes, it is. It's not, it's not going to happen overnight and it's going to be probably another... Well, I would think in at least another year before we start to see. I mean, I, I anticipate the next couple of years as a, a bumpy time um, in order to make sure that we get back to some sort of normality. If you go back to that graph we showed you from 2006 to, to now, you know, there is always going to be some bumps in, the, in, that, in that situation where you show that, you know, that exactly that, that, that graph there. You can see, but look at, look at how much of it was above the line against what is actually below absolutely the line. yeah um, and and if you take that on board and and say okay we're now beginning to sort of dip a bit below the line but i'm hoping that that will curve very quickly back up the line rather than continue to be below the line for a longer period it may be there for a, a year 18 months maximum maybe two you can see, actually, if you look at that uh, graph from sort of like uh, the back end of 2019 over 2021, uh, uh, and you compare that across uh, all the area right the way back to, to December 2006, you can see that actually that was an unprecedented period, 19 to 22. That was an unprecedented period. And you can see uh, before 2007, when the crash happened, um, that the prices were similarly um, over the, uh, over the um, projection. Uh, so it's almost like you see this huge area of growth and then all of a sudden the market just feels like it needs to correct itself. It's almost like it's a, a pattern repeating. Yeah, and, that, and, and, and that's what I'm saying, that even though it's a pattern repeating, um, it's repeating because of some things that are not within. Now, if, if, there, if there's no issue with... Um, utility costs that came dramatically. I mean, I've had so many conversations, Paul, recently where people have been absolutely floored, I would say, when they've actually looked at their 
gas and electric costs, even though today or recently, we, uh, I think as much as yesterday, people are beginning to say, oh, look at this, you know, we've, we've got the new new um, line of, of how much it's going to be, £2,000, £2,000, £2,500 a year. You know, it was 4000 or 6000 But that dramatic cost rise has actually um, worried the people more um, than perhaps the mortgage rate, right? However, it has not been as uh, marketed in the marketplace. It has not been sold as a negativity. It's just sat there. And I was speaking to somebody very recently and they said, look, you know, the mortgage rate, mortgage rate, because when the mortgage rate gets up there, I think I've, I was at um, Russell Quirk and last week's quote suggested that, you know, it's, it's the wording and the headlines that says to them, you know, um, things are dramatically going for this and you know, it's bad for this. And But what they've not done is actually pointed out the fact that the utility companies, the petrol companies, and and, and all those others, what amount of profit that they're making, and and how well they are. Yet they're not getting anything as dramatic in the marketplace in the media as perhaps the mortgages are. But the real thing, the real problem, has been not so much the mortgage rates. I think people were always in their minds built and ready and prepared for that to happen because they knew it was unbelievably low but nobody had bargained for the amount of increase that they've had through that you and i know and i'm sure many people that are listening or viewing this will look at their bank statements going back a few years and found that for the last 10 years hardly their uh, direct debits had, had changed dramatically they might have the odd five or ten pound fifteen pound difference but all of a sudden people are going from you know 200 to 500 to 600 um and that's that's what's really the the, the cause in this that's the that's where the real issue lies and so that's why i'm confident that the house prices will probably sustain themselves through once the easing of these utilities starts to happen again um and we will we'll find it to be okay but it's certainly you know um not not as dramatic as one would like to think but i think the media is giving it a lot of hype by saying look at it it's, it's going to be bad it's going to be bad but then that's what the media are going to do got time to squeeze in one more story today we spent quite a lot of time on that because fascinating uh, what's coming out in terms of the data uh, this is that the government are considering uh, we have mentioned this before but we haven't really uh, taken it in in any detail uh, the government is considering plans to offer homeowners longer mortgages including 50-year deals that can be passed between generations in a bid to stimulate housing demand and help more people gain a foot on the housing ladder this is like the japanese style longer lending agreements which they have there um, could see people being able to buy a home with little or no expectation of ever completing the mortgage repayments during their lifetime instead the property and outstanding debt would be passed to their children Longer loan durations would allow home buyers to pay more for properties because they would have a lower monthly requirement. requirement. And whilst the housing market is slowing, the government is keen to boost, they say, demand and is also considering 30-year fixed-rate home loans, um, mortgages worth almost 100% of the property and also ways of blending renting and owning into property. Um, some of those sound good. Some of them I'm not so sure. I suppose at the end of the day, you've got to do something to solve the problem of affordability. Well, the question is, will it solve the problem of affordability um, or would it add a problem of affordability? So 
it's good that some you know we have a 25 30 maybe up to 35 year loan term there has to be some level of target in one's mind to think well i actually'd like to either clear that or reduce my mortgage and reduce the income and gain equity in my property have a, a valuation higher than what i paid for it um and so forth that that's my win so the actual the win is the the capital gain, the capital value on it, as opposed to, you know, having the loan that is going to continue to be there for a period of 50 years and then passing it on. Now, that, that loan, again, whereas now, if we, if we take the current situation into, into mind, you'll find that, you know, somebody could have a, a, a interest-only mortgage or they might have a, a, pay, a repayment mortgage. It might be that the next five years, the opportunity comes for them to change that and maybe reduce it into a uh, a new rate a new fixed rate which may be you know saving uh, money for another five years if you then stick the same policy into something like a 50-year long-term mortgage the question is will that mortgage be adjustable so that it can adjust itself in the marketplace or would it be at a fixed rate or would it be just as a as a stat and then the kids will inherit that mortgage who may or may not be in a position to continue to make such payments. Um, and then you've actually been running that whole marathon from, you know, naught to 50 years. And at year 40 or 45, for some reason that is beyond the kids or the family's um, position, the main breadwinner is no longer there. They are now stuck with a situation where they've got this continuation of the mortgage. Um, and do they then, pay a price to get out um, early. And it's, it's, a, it's, it's a real, real thing to, I think the, the terms that they have had have been probably a fair way to give it a challenge. Yes, you, when you get to a certain age, you think, you know, if I could, but isn't that the case in life? We, if we all get to sort of the age of 50 or 60, you think if I could have done another five years, that would have been great in my job, or if I could have done this. In that situation, that would have been great, but we don't know the answers to those until you get to that. So I'm not totally convinced of the long 50-year um, plan, but I think what, what would be helpful is um, that they, the way they calculate um, affordability should be reviewed, and it may be that there is some sort of side contingency in the um, mortgage that they offer where they might say, well, look, you know, we would give you this at this rate, but because of your affordability, we need to up the rate a bit now, but that rate is gonna be a, almost like a savings rate as opposed to a mortgage rate. So that if times have become difficult at a later stage, you would have that as your fallback to cover some of that backlog. So there's gotta be another way to make it more encouraging. So I don't think people have, a, a huge, if somebody could afford to buy a property and get a mortgage and find that there was a way to say uh, it's five percent for argument's sake and they were actually paying six percent but that one percent was actually being just not part of the mortgage deal it was just part of a savings deal as a side thing allowing them to think well if you know in time uh, the rates go up or go down i have that money sitting there that is going to cushion me through the difficult times and the bank says well okay they're paid a bit more through the nose in the early stages but we know that that money is sitting there and we're in control of that and if we need to then move that around 
it shows that the person has been able to afford it and if they need to then extend it at that point that extension becomes a lot easier doesn't it because you know that they've been able to manage that situation but to be locked into a long-term mortgage um, of 50 years which is then going to go on to perhaps the kids is probably questionable because it may take quite a bit of money out of the growth of the property. Well, there's one big problem I can see with it, and that is just after retirement for the person who bought the property in the first place, the parent, uh, you know, if they get to, let's just say they retire at 70 and they've got a pension and they haven't had the luxury of a, a works pension on top and they're just on the state pension, how are they going to afford the mortgage payments for whatever remainder of their life they have left? Let's just say, for argument's sake, they, they, they have 10 years left. That 10 years, they've still got to pay the mortgage, but they also want to live in the property. So they can't necessarily pass the mortgage to the kids or the kids wouldn't want to pay the mortgage because they're trying to find property of their own to live in. Exactly. And that's what I'm saying. So if you took on the concept that I've just put forward, that there mm. was a level of money sitting there, even at that point, that should have had, if, it's, if you've done a 25 year or a 30 year mortgage, and for that 30 years, you've been paying an extra 1% throughout your time, which has actually been the cushion, it's been the money that you sit on the side, then that time that you've left over and you decide that you need to stretch it over another 10 years, has that fallback scenario. Whereas if you left it to the kids or, or to any member of the family or the person that was a breadwinner and that has now retired and, and not in a position to pay, pay that money, than that you know it's a bit like having some sort of a savings plan alongside your mortgage plan but not paying the mortgage it's just there sitting as your your cushion which is not a bad thing for any lender because they're going to be sitting on a lot of money that belongs to their client which they will have to be able to invest and do other things with perhaps even lend more money out based on that but give some sort of assurance for both the borrower and also the lender that that money does exist and it does sit there there isn't a lot of support for this from the mortgage market one financial advisor says that the government's coming at this from the wrong angle it, uh, it's not the mortgage market that's preventing people from buying properties it's the cost of property in relation to people's earnings and if they were building more houses in the first place uh, uh, then then there would be more um, stock on the market for people to buy and prices wouldn't be rising because of scarcity so uh, there is some sense in that too. The problem with all of this, Paul, I mean, but building more houses, cost of buildings going up, it's just, it, that's the, never going to be the winning formula. There's not enough land um, in, 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 the, in the country. The government really, all of the successive governments don't have you know, a plan to get out of these, these situations. And forever, I mean, I've done this for 40 plus years. We've had colleagues on here that have done all this it's never changed. It's never going to be that we're ever going to build enough houses to do that. Uh, and and we'll make, to make matters worse, we're never going to build enough houses that are affordable uh, or what is affordable in the eyes of, of those that want to afford it. So I think, you know, they've got to sort of just wake up and say that we know that that's not going to happen. It's a good good marketing point. We've got to build more houses, we've got to build more houses. But, you know, we, we're limited to the space unless they want to sort of you know, lose and eradicate some of the green belt that they're protecting so vigorously, that is not going to happen in a heartbeat. Um, we've, we've covered on our program where people in neighborhoods are the reason why things that don't get built, even though they know perfectly well they need the housing in their own area. 
um, but because it happens to, you know, um, d d diminish the view from their garden or from their bedroom window or whatever, they just don't want another bunch of houses in the back garden. So, you know, and, and that doesn't happen. So it's, there's a lot of sort of under issues that we are not in control of. And yet it's the people, the public that tell you that they don't want it. Yet on one side, they go, well, there's not enough houses. On the other side, well, you can have as many houses, but as long as it's not in my backyard, put it somewhere else. So where do we go? We're an island. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it, is, it is a situation that, that we're in. So I think that's, that's always going to be a challenge. Um, but yes, we'd love to see more houses being built and, and obviously the cost bring, being brought down. But um, it'll be a subject that we'll be covering for quite a few weeks, I'm sure, to come. Absolutely. And we've done it in some detail today. We're record length of programme today. So, um, but I think it was worthwhile to stick with it. And thank you, as always, Joe, for your observations. Hope you enjoyed that. Hope that's given you a better understanding of where we are in UK property right now, as of this week, uh, the 2nd of July. <music>